0: Good afternoon, everyone. It's Mobile Meltzer here with the Double B in office hours. A great afternoon in beautiful, sunny for once, Southern California. Blaine Bartlett, my mentor, my hero, my iconic friend. He's leading the world in business. BlaineBartlett.com. How are you?
1: Hey, I could not be better. The sun is shining up here on the island and uh, life is good.
0: Life is good and God is good and you are great. But our guest is even better. Chris Hewish is here. He is the president and the interim CEO of Exola. uh, And we are blessed to have him here to talk about uh, understanding today's studios. And uh, obviously, coming off the strike and so many other variables of streaming and OTT. And the whole thing has been flipped upside down from the traditional days that I worked with Lee Steinberg and traditional content. I cannot wait to learn more from Chris Hewish welcome to Office Hours.
2: Well, thank you very much, David Blaine. I am thrilled to be here and I appreciate your time and the opportunity to talk about one of the things that I love the most, which is empowering creators to really succeed at their business and connect directly with their audiences.
0: It's so true, but today creators have such a low bar of entry and (laughs) you and I both know when we all started, it was a billionaires boys club that was best suited for creating or being a creator and today all you need is a cell phone and an account and we can create some pretty killer content uh with the phone and an account Uh, how do you distinguish providing value to the entry-level creator that still may have some extraordinary uh, uh talent compared to on the gaming and movies and traditional media side, you know, the multi-million dollar creations that still make money today?
2: Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. We obviously still have an industry, which I love, where you have very successful, well-established studios that are making linear content or interactive content, reaching big audiences, those companies, uh, they are really embracing that whole idea of going direct to consumer. And that's something that our company helps facilitate, whether it's on the commerce side, the business side, or the marketing part of it. But then to your point, the barrier between creator and consumer has really been coming down for quite a while. And we're now at this age where the creator and the consumer are almost one and the same. And when you're it's very easy to create content, you know, that, that can be fun. And we all see the viral moments and, and the people that kind of grab some success out of that. But it still doesn't change the fact that and this is something that I counsel people on that in order to be successful, it's still work. Right. There's still you have to put the effort into it, even if the content may be easy to generate. It doesn't mean that it's easy to succeed. And the people that think that they're just going to throw something out there because it's fun and it's going to go viral. Well, you know, I remind them, you look at the people that are successful creating low fidelity content, if you you want to put it that way, and they still work their butts off, right? They have teams in a lot of cases that support them. They really approach it like a job. And that's what it takes to succeed. So, you know, that's one of the things I really encourage people to remember. It may, may be easier than ever to create content, but it's still a business if you want to succeed at it. (laughs) I oh, and, that. And <laughs> yeah,
1: truly, truly. you know, uh I was you know, kind of reading uh, you know, I get a little show flow uh from the team, uh kind of giving me a little bit of a heads up on who i'm who I'm talking to today, uh sort of a thing, so one of the things that I was struck with as I was reading this, Chris is um and, and I love the way that this was actually blended together here. And it's talking about you as a remarkable blend of creative prowess and business acumen that enables you, and this is where I'm interested, to simultaneously develop, design, and produce content while at the same time, this goes to your last point, understanding and executing on a company's vision as well as effectively marketing and branding. Now, that's a mouthful, but the idea of being able to wear those hats because one of them is a management hat, which which has to do with predictability, which has to do with planning, execution, that sort of thing. The other one has to do with, you know, what I'm calling you know, kind of a leadership thing, which is disruptive. It's causing movement. It's jumping into the unknown, leaping, leaping off the abyss, so to speak. How do you actually manage to bring those two together? Because you have done it extraordinarily well, just given your track record and what you brought to market. How do you bring those two disciplines together?
2: Well, thank you, Blaine. That, that is quite a compliment. And, you know, I began very much on the creative side of things. And over the years, as I shifted more into the business side, much to my surprise, you know, I've always liked to say that I have a passion for the creative and I was very shocked to find out I had an aptitude for the business. And <laughs> I like what you, you know, said. <laughs> exactly. Not not the way I thought it would have gone when you spoke with twenty something year old Chris. But I'm very pleased with how that's come about. But I think the way that's come about, to your point of how do you blend those two things, you know, for me, it's been a couple of things. I've always maintained, you know, kept kept in touch with that passion, right, and. Uh, You know, I haven't veered off and gone into other industries where I've I've thought, okay, great. You know what? I'm successful at business. I'm going to go conquer some other industry. You know, that would just be a folly, at least for me, because that passion, that creative passion is the thing that fuels me. Right. And helps me go through the grind on the business side of it. And at the same time, it allows me to really stay connected to what's going on in the industry and not sort of get outdated with my thinking. And and that's a real problem, right? Where yeah. you may be very good at the business and you can, you know, run that smoothly. But if you're not kind of keeping in touch with what is going on in the industry, um, then you're gonna you're gonna lose your way. And and there's multiple ways to keep in touch, right? For me, it's just it's the creative, the passion part. I still play games all the time, right? <laughs> I'm I'm an active gamer, I'm a member of communities. Uh-huh. So I'm able to take a lot of that and leverage that into the business side of things to you know, have a good finger on the pulse, to coin a phrase, right? Of, of yeah. what's going on. It's really
0: interesting. Uh, so few people have such a dynamic uh, background and experience. But I really want to have uh, you share an evaluation. I, I know, you know, I've run multi-billion-dollar companies. I've been through a three-point-four billion-dollar exit. I've raised hundreds of millions of dollars on Sand Hill Road. But I still think the most challenging thing for me with a business aptitude is having a startup. Um, And, you know, it's just its own beast. And that's why I think I work with so many entrepreneurs in that realm, either funding them or coaching or mentoring them, because uh, to this day it's one of the most fulfilling things, but by far, you know, until you've sat there figuring out how you're going to make payroll, Um, and those are people it's no joke you know people think about it because it's such a common story but these are people that have given you their lives and they have families and I can't think of anything that puts more pressure uh, in business than that direct small connect of someone giving you their life and believing in you and your vision and you not being able to pay them to feed their families I was wondering your perspective because you've launched two different gaming companies yourself and if you know at the highest level you've worked with the biggest over a billion dollar i mean the same kind of story but i want to know in your perspective where that falls in starting a business comparatively to the humongous things that you've been able to achieve in business
2: uh, well it certainly contributed mostly to the gray hair i would say <laughs> that <laughs> yeah. you know it that says um, it all <laughs> it it really does i mean there there are obviously two different beasts and uh, starting a business is, is to your point, it really is not for the faint of heart. A lot of people get out there and they and they have that passion and that creativity, and they jump into the business side of it. Um, but if they're not prepared to treat it like a business, then they either yeah. should find somebody to partner up with them, right, to handle that side of it, or they should be expected to to have a miserable time, right? And you know, it's just a great idea by itself. I mean, it's as sad as it is to say, a great idea doesn't succeed or win the day, right? It's yep. I love the the old uh, sort of quote. Uh, I think it was Einstein. I'm not sure. Doesn't matter. But it's 10% inspiration and 90% perspiration. And you got to really be able to put that effort in if, if you're going to do the startup side of it. Now, look, big companies they have their whole a whole another set of issues, right? There's the dynamics of being able to work cross-functional across different, you know. Layers of the organization, you know, politics, as people like to say, a lot of that comes into play and it's a very different skill set. But still within that, to your point, your analogy, in a big company, you're still probably not the person worrying about payroll, right? Each week, you're worrying about your part of everything succeeding. And if it doesn't work, you know, you play some politics to avoid getting fired and and you move on. Uh, But with a startup, yeah, the buck stops right there with you. And laying awake at night, not even worrying about payroll tomorrow, but like, oh, my gosh, you know, not really being able to celebrate the victories for too long because, you know, six months from now, you need to need to be on to something else. Right. Already in the hopper to take care of things. Yeah, I love that.
0: Sick. I love that sickness about you, Chris. And we appreciate you. We have so many other shows. I know Blaine wants you on his podcast. We have other shows to put you on. Uh, There's so much more to learn about interactive uh, media and of course being a studio head uh, as well with your varied experience and more of your knowledge and uh, even the dummy tax needs to be shared more so please <laughs> promise me you'll come back we got other shows for you and uh, there's a, a thing called gray away i've been using it it works well to hide hide the
2: startup experience <laughs> <laughs> all right hey. well i would be pleased to come back and i will take that note thank you <laughs> thank you <laughs> thanks chris awesome. all right thank what you playing
0: thank you david <laughs> You've yeah, got it. We're blessed to have guys <laughs> like that. Just so much knowledge. And, you know, I, I think there's, Blaine, and you know this from as much as you help me and our team, you know, there's this transference. We, we need this combination, not just of young people that know media, but people that have really experienced business and what to do with these good ideas and with the good intentions. I will tell you before we bring our next guest on, Bill uh, is here, a good friend. I, I, I have a sickness because I look back on um, on COVID when, around Miles' birthday when I was at uh, Sports, Sports 1 Marketing and our business revolved around the Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, and Grammys, millions of dollars of deposits and peoples and commitments for 2020. And within minutes, uh, I had 30 people looking up at me like, what do we do now? And it's the closest you come to probably being a military leader where, you know, everything's exploding around you and they're all, you can see like in, in the ditch, right? You're Everyone's looking up to the captain, you know, like, oh shit, you know, <laughs> yeah. save me, please. And yeah, I was prepared and I was proud uh, from all the dummy Jackson experience of how quickly we've been into the place we are today here, you know, three yeah. years later, almost to the, you know, we're getting to a couple weeks away from it. Yep. Uh here we are, you know, 2024 it would be four, four years and never did I imagine at that moment that how prepared I was uh, to be an intelligent follower, a compassionate capitalist and, and a leader to put everyone in a better place, a better situation, which is uh, part and parcel to that guidance and mentorship that you're able to give so many of us. So thank you. Wow. anyways i wanted to compliment you and thank you because my life has never been better thanks to blaine bartlett blaine we have hopefully we have bill kennedy here when i'm in the car i can't see everyone it's been a while he has a new book coming out q1 of this year and we are excited again to have bill on the otc industrial arrowhead engineered product ceo welcome to office hours
3: well hey uh, david it's great to be here thank you so much
0: Uh, for having me. And Blaine, it's great to meet you as well. You as well, Bill. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Uh, A man from University of Chicago, the Brain Trust. I'll be there on Monday. Uh, I got a big week. University of Chicago, Princeton, we're all over the place next week. I'm speaking in Einstein's lab and next to Oppenheimer's lab. So I'm super excited. Um, Let's talk about the new book, though. Uh, Obviously, you you have a scientist, engineering approach to things. Um, Give us a little bit of background on what the new book's about. Yeah,
3: great. So uh, the new book actually comes out uh, February 27th and available in all uh, all types of uh, your fine bookstores and the audible books out out now. So, you okay. know, really what it's about at the end of the day, it's interesting. I was listening to your last conversation is how do you come in and get focused around what you're going to do with a business? Right. And 8020 uh, has been around since Pareto. Right. Goes back yep. to yep. yeah, a couple hundred years. But it's taking that mindset and getting focused around the critical few. Where are your profit pools at in your business? Once you identify those, how do you align around it? What do you do about it? And you know, from there, what's the decisions you, you make? And it was interesting you're talking about before some of the businesses, we all went through 08, 09. We went through the great recession. Then we saw the, the pandemic. I remember getting up thinking, holy cow, how are we gonna make payroll, right? It's true for all of us. Focus makes a difference.
1: So, yeah, the book outlines a system, yeah, is, is if, if I'm interpreting the title correctly here. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've yeah, honestly, Bill, there. products and profit centers have life cycles. And That's one right. of the things that I've run into in some of the larger organizations I've consulted and, and worked with uh, is that we get attached to that money cow, that cash cow, and it, it can tend to blind us uh, in terms of new opportunities. Uh, you know, all kinds of different things can kind of, you know, kind of get it, you know, stuck into that whole conversation. That's right. From a systemic perspective, and I love the engineering background. So, from a systems perspective, how how do you describe going about identifying what that new opportunity is, at the same time weaning ourselves off what has been that lucrative cash cow? Yeah, do you actually go into detail with that in any way, shape, or form?
3: A- absolutely. I know. thought you
1: might. I could yeah. not. I couldn't <laughs> believe yeah. that you didn't.
3: You know, it's kind of it's interesting if you think of the life cycle of the business. Just think of when we all start out. You know, David, maybe when you were doing your startup, we will take almost anyone who will have us. So any customer is a good customer. <laughs> if they pay, they're my they're my hero, right? And I love I you. That- I mean it. <laughs> right, and and so. As that business builds, what happens is you start getting diminishing returns, right? Your yep. your, your customer base expands. Uh, you have customers that are keeping you in business that you know they like you and you like them because they buy a lot and they pay their bills. But when you really get down to it and you put them all out there, if you've been around a little while, you'll have customers who spend a dollar with you. And that customer's cost to serve is the same cost it takes that customer spending a million dollars, same PO, you got to process, same amount of mental energy. If you got products you're selling, you got to keep those products on the shelf and it goes on and on. So one day you wake up and you go, oh my God, I can't grow anymore and I'm starting to lose money. And because you're burdened, you're overburdened so much by the overhead that you're carrying. And you ask yourself, what happens if I just quit doing the things I'm losing money on and I just did simply more of the things I am making money on? And our process is nothing more than taking the data, and we look at it through uh, two dimensions. Most people look at it through one. We look at it through both the customers and the products. And we're able to say these are our best customers, and these are our B customers, our worst customers, people that don't buy a lot. It's just how they buy. Then we say these are our best products, and these are our B products. and These are products that we make a lot of and ones we don't. And then our best customers buy products we really love to sell, and they also buy things we don't. And then our not-so-great customers buy those same great products, and then they also buy things that we don't really like. Now, when you lay it all out, you're going to find that that less than 20% of all the money you make comes from, uh, or excuse me, uh, more than 80% of all the money you make comes from 20% of those customers, right? The data will just show you that. It will just show you right away. And once you know that, then what you want to do is identify where you're not making money. Take those resources and simply shift them over. right? So It's very basic, and it's all based in facts. You're going to go to University of Chicago, the heart of where fun goes to die. That's why I went there. (laughs) You love math. You look at that math, you go, now, you can't argue with what the math says. Now, you can tell me all the great things, but the facts are the facts, and this is where the monies are. That's where you start.
0: That's so smart. I have uh, been told at the time, in. I got to get the audio book. Once again, what, the title of the book, where people can find it now, audio book until the 27th. Yeah,
3: it's called the 80-20 CEO. Take command of your business in 100 days, right? And what that is all about, it's a very simple four-step process. You come in. A lot of what I do is uh, people will, will bring, I work in private equity. I'm CEO of two different companies. One of them is about a billion dollars. That one's about a $1 billion and a half. Uh, and uh, I come in, I'll get control of that business in about six months and get it aligned around where it needs to go, mm-hmm. right? So it's that process. Get a goal, get a strategy, reorg, and then execute on the action plans. And then the rest of the book tells you what the tools are and how to use those tools. So it's a very straightforward. Anyone can do it. doesn't mean it's easy, right? Everything's easy to the person that doesn't have to do it, but uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, it's simple. But- but, I, I, you know, I grew up in with my mentors telling me, you know, 80% of your clients will bankrupt you. And it's For the sure. same ph- philosophy, uh, which I love. But there, there's a, there's another dynamic. I wonder if you address it in, in the book or if you can comment on it now. Uh, you know, I do a lot of executive coaching, as, as Blaine does, with some of the biggest executives with the Fortune, even 10 companies. I had one that they, they had a hope. So so they had a client, a $2 million client uh, that was taking a lot of resources, like you said, a lot of time, but they wanted to develop them into a $2 billion client. And then they had the typical $2 billion client that was so easy. And I gave them the advice to fire the $2 million client and put all the resources into the $2 billion client. And they said, well, they don't need that. I said, well, you don't think they need that, but if you put those same resources statistically, you'll have a four billion dollar client far more, uh, far faster in statistically successful versus the chance that this two million dollar client someday will be a two billion dollar client. Uh, is that something that's aligned with an eighty twenty rule, or is it something that you can comment on?
3: Yeah, you're a natural at this, David. So if you ever get bored of this day job you got, come <laughs> see me. I, I right. Oh, I can't. For
0: you, I can't. Right? It's the oh, heart this is way, it, right? This is, where, this is where fun lives. This is that's where that's
3: fun that. lives. This is the heart of fun. Yeah, it's nothing more than, I mean, it really is common sense. What we give you is the tools, and you just do it. Everyone always says the same thing, right? Uh, is I, I don't have data or I've got too much. We'll take that data. We'll show you how to do it, and you plug into an Excel sheet. You don't need some fancy ERP. You look at OTC. OTC is a roll-up of 30 companies that we've all We're not on the same ERP, but we have to be able to live in that world. So we'll take that data and we would go to that CEO and say the same exact thing that you said is like, uh, look, this one isn't going to work. But the way that we deal with it is people can agree on typically the really good ones and the really bad ones. It's all the stuff in the middle that they they're going to struggle with. Right. So we we start putting some resources around the, the good one. We start taking those resources away from the bad ones. And we do it not by, we sometimes we fire them, but we'll say things like, you know what? We're not going to give you any terms anymore. You will find your small <laughs> customers are the ones that don't pay you. So you, yeah, it's, it's, it's give us a credit card or pay us up front or what, but there's no terms. Uh, the minimum orders go up, you know, you well, okay, we'll do that. But, uh, uh, but now you got to order a thousand versus one and, and it goes on and on. And we, we give you 12 ways to think about it. It's called the dirty dozen, right? But Yeah, We'll do it, but we're only going to make this product once a year, and we're going to make it on a Thursday, September 21st. Get your order in now, right? Or we'll do it this way, but it only comes in a combo pack, right? So you got to get it all. You're going to get all the wheels. We're not going to expect whatever it is. And then those customers start self-selecting. So uh, the funny thing is – You'll go do the math and their best customers are paying more money. you It's shocking. Your profitability is way higher. Those little guys are sucking all the resources out of you. Their margins are, they're difficult to deal with because they got something you're not good at either, right? That's what they want. And then they don't pay their bills. So you start raising <laughs> yeah. all that and you say you can only place the order online or you can only whatever it is, right? You take those same salespeople, you put them over there. So you're telling that to that CEO and he's going, yeah, 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 you're right. So then you, this is where you kind of negotiate where you, it. you go, all right, well, maybe you're right. Maybe they can't. Let's pick an amount of time. Let's say we'll give them six months and six months, they're either in or they're out or, or three months whatever. So you allow that person to have the opportunity to go prove that they're right. But let's be candid. It almost never happens, right? Yeah.
0: That's so smart. Almost never yeah, it is definitely where great ideas go to live uh check out his book uh bill kennedy is here check him out at his website but everywhere barnes and nobles amazon check out the audiobook which i'm getting right after this interview because i am uh, th- that's what i do when i stretch and uh meditate uh all the easy stuff i love to listen did you read your own uh audio book by the way Bill? okay oh, yeah uh, yeah yeah you know uh, I- if if you want to fall asleep, listen to Blaine in my audiobook. You'll love it. I, I, I don't even think first hey. chapter.
3: Like, you'll sleep better than you've ever slept in your whole life. Just uh just download it and, and go
0: with it. I love it. Yeah, that's good. Bill, we want you back on our shows as well. We got multiple platforms to promote the book and promote your genius. I will think of you when I'm at University Chicago. Uh, where, by the way, they're one of the great schools when law school to reject me. He actually was really nice. I got it inter- one of the few law schools that interview University of Chicago. Blaine, you'll like this. So I was super positive. And the, the guy says to me, the dean, he says, You know, uh, Mr. Meltzer, you're going to make a great addition here at University of Chicago. And my eyes lit up. He said, When you're 26 or 27.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not <there>. <laughs> not, <laughs> not, not today. Not for you. Yeah, not today. <laughs> yeah.
0: So my uncle had gone there after he'd worked for HUD and he was a little bit older and he just, he uh, pressed upon me the amazing law school at University of Chicago. And what a great addition I would have made. But nonetheless, Tulane University is proud to have me as a graduate. and We're proud to have you as a graduate of Office Hours. Thanks for joining us.
3: Thanks for having me. Have a great day, folks. Thanks,
0: Bill. Yeah. I love it. Enjoy the rest <laughs> of your week. <laughs> what a great guest. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think we can, you know, uh, I just have a quick question for you. I. I love when someone says something so deep and it passes by, you know, like where uh, fun goes to die and you start thinking about where else is fun going to die in my life and who am I surrounding myself with and who's pressing upon me, their values that I should somehow suffer one of the great uh, for me criteria of life is to, you know, do my best, learn lessons and have fun. I can't go somewhere where fun dies. And that's why I love it here is, you know, I do, I, I do my best to be here, even if it's mobile, I learned more here than I did in any graduate school I ever attended or personal development. Uh, but most importantly, I have, I have a blast. And the more we do it, yeah. the, the better of a time. These people have just such a great attitude towards teaching us. And that book is one that you and I can definitely use to make money and help people and have fun with.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Course, that whole idea of, you know, yeah, go ahead. You got a question there?
0: No, I was going to ask you, I was going to just say, you know, do you have something you could share, like along those lines of, you know, what Bill was talking about, where people just don't see the trees through the forest?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of goes back to you know, that you know, question that I you know, put in front of him there about we get so attached to the cash cow. You know, yeah, yeah, the idea here of being successfully stuck, yeah, kind of comes to mind.
0: That's good. Glamorized <laughs> and, stuck, successfully stuck.
1: Yep. Yeah. When we're successfully stuck, it becomes a rut. I mean, there's no fun. I mean, there's literally no fun. We know how to do it. It's repetitive. It's, I mean, I, I'm going to go back to, yeah, in 2020 when, yeah, the world went to hell in a handbasket and, you yeah, you and I looked around and yeah, just instead of going, this is a calamity. I know what you did. I know what I did. It's kind of like, yeah, I know there's a pony in here. Let's have some fun with this.
0: Yeah. And and, and I, I got I to tell you, too, it applied to our charity. You know, we do so much with the Unstoppable Foundation, unstoppablefoundation.org. Yeah. Cynthia Kersey is the founder. And Blaine and I sit on the board. And, you know, there's been incredible supporters, the Bob Proctors, Jack Camfields, Mary Morrissey's. And the list goes on and on, the world thought leaders that have been involved. But I would tell you that the, the one thing that stressed me out the most in COVID was, you know all the efforts that were going on with the charity um and yet we found a way thanks to cynthia's leadership to serve over a million meals and um continue uh where so many foundations failed to continue to thrive and i know we're on the other side of it and we had a you know conversation about geez looking back you know holy moly with everything that went on how are we in such a good position and it's the people out there and the communication and the belief and the faith and the wisdom that got us there and your leadership with cynthia is much appreciated and i just want to thank you for all i look and see the schools and the community centers and the villages and we're continuing to grow uh and so anyone out there that wants to support blaine and i and cynthia unstoppablefoundation.org uh, we're doing everything that we can to create a unified, infinite loop of giving, being given and receiving. So thank you uh, for that as well. People forget about wow. the foundations that suffered during COVID.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the whole, you know, the, the stoic philosophical you know, positioning of the obstacle is the way. This is, you know, kind of a, a, you know, a takeaway from Marcus Aurelius. But the obstacle becomes the way to something brand new. And rather than getting stopped going, well, that sucks. I guess we got better fold our tent and go home. It's kind of like, well, this is kind of cool. What's it, you know, what direction is this going to move me into now? I hadn't thought about that direction. And, you know, the meals had always been kind of a a, a mainstay foundation. It was one of the pillars of of what we did uh, with the foundation, but, when everything else kind of went sideways, we could still do meals. We could actually, and, and we found a way to bring a million meals to this part of sub-Saharan Africa. And it was, I mean, I still get chills thinking about it, just the way that it was mobilized and the way that, uh, yeah, the donors stepped up, the team stepped up, all of that stuff. You, um, you know, just kind of in the back, you you and I both in the back door (laughs) kind of supporting it. Um, so the obstacle is always the way and fun. Yeah, you know, when fun goes to die, yeah. it gets crushed by the rock that appears as an obstacle. And if you're, <laughs> kind of, yeah, nah, go around it, go over it, go under it, go through it. You know, whatever you do, but yeah, don't treat it as something that's going to stop the fun. Go have fun with this. If you're skating on thin ice, you may as well dance. What
0: the hell? Yeah, I love it. Uh, real quick takeaways for the day. Uh, we've had these great guests on today. What what what's your takeaway?
1: Um, I'm gonna go, you know, well, a couple of things here. I think really what we've just been talking about, the obstacle is the way in one sense you know, where I mean, if we go you know, you know, literally back to you know the whole gaming conversation that we had um, with uh, with Chris, I mean, games are fun, but you know, to be able to bring that joy to market. Yeah, how do people feel about themselves when in the, when they're in the presence of your service or product? That's that's what you know, Chris is up to. That's also really what Bill is up to. Yeah, what's what's the what's the part here that's most vibrant? How do people feel about themselves when you know we're inventing something new? When we're leveraging what really could be possible? That sort of stuff comes into play.
0: I love it. And mine's uh, right along the side of being excited about. Einstein Laboratory at Princeton and Einstein, and the study that I've done, especially through Walter Isaacson, one of my favorite authors now, and his historical uh, research and opinions and advice that he gives. But it's just simply we can't so- solve a problem in the same consciousness in which it was created. Uh, and I think our guests really show that, that, you know, things change so fast and you know this idea of having fun, but we just can't solve things looking at the same way and doing the same thing. So uh, one of my favorite pieces of advice, one of my favorite people who's given me some of my favorite advice, Blaine Bartlett, blainebartlett.com. Check it out if you want some great mentorship, some guidance, uh, a leader amongst leaders, the compassionate capitalist himself. Blaine Bartlett, thanks for joining me on Office Hours.
1: my brother. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy Chicago.
0: I will. Have Thank fun. you so much. <laughs> That's easy. All right, everyone. We are leaving our beautiful meetup. Uh, I did a tag talk uh, up at uh, the Westin and LAX. Now we're on our way to the journey. Monday, Chicago. Tuesday, New York. Wednesday, New Jersey. Thursday, Philadelphia. Friday, Chicago and Wisconsin. Saturday, Madison and Sunday. We look forward to all the meetups, all the VIP dinners, all the lunch and learns, all the investor dinners, lunches, et cetera, please join us. All you got to do is email me, david at dmelcher.com, and then we'll be back in Las Vegas filming our shows. We are here. We are there. We are everywhere. If you want to find out here, there, and everywhere, come to training tomorrow as well. 949-298-2905. That's the alerting system to know how, where, when, and what. You can get meeting us. Please join us. Build the community. A community of people who want to help each other and know people that can help each other. We are blessed to have such a community here on Office Hours. We'll continue to shine with the biggest and the brightest. Thank you, everyone. Remember, most importantly, be more interested than interesting. Be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you tomorrow at training 6 6 a.m. Pacific time. Thank you.